Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, J-Dub. Back, talk week two, fantasy musings, kind of what have we learned, what's going on, a lot happening. So catch you on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Has there ever been a season with so many kind of major critical fantasy football injuries two weeks into the season? I'm sure there has. I've been playing this for almost 40 years. I've been paying close attention, but it's been a tough one. Aaron Rodgers, J.K. Dobbins, first week, Saquon Barkley, Sunday afternoon, and then the big one, everyone's favorite, anybody who doesn't like Nick Chubb, I don't know what to say. Such a great player, love watching him play. And that was a brutal injury. Brutal. I wish I had not seen it. I have seen it. I cannot unsee it. It was brutal. Maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is the kind of end of primary major injuries. I doubt it, though. So it's been rough. I guess on a happier note, it's good to see Patrick Mahomes getting paid. And when I say paid, getting legitimately paid. He had a 10-year, $450 million contract, but it was a faux contract. There was a, not a lot of guarantees. I think there's like $100 million guarantees, which was great. But compared to what's going on in the quarterback market in particular, it was a pittance. So he's now been guaranteed the next four years. They effectively ripped up his deal. He's got four years, and then it's yeah, got to re- rediscuss it. But I believe my calculations were he's approximately getting paid $52.5 million a year for the next four years, fully guaranteed. So it's about $210 million believe that's correct. It's in that range. Regardless, good for him. He deserves it. So let's talk a little bit about biggest fantasy stories to date. I'm just going to go by position. Quarterback, look, mostly more of the same Russell Wilson, but he is at the top or near the top on the scoring through two weeks. Now, it definitely doesn't hurt that he connected on Hail Mary at the end of week two in kind of a, almost a, not a meaningless play because they connect on that. And then if they get the two point conversion, they tie it up, but they still lost and they're Owen two. And it's, it seems pretty clear to me that he's just not the same player. And I think they're just discombobulated. A lot of reports out there that Sean Payton may move on him and he's not bought in. He's there to change the culture. I don't know if I see that Wilson's playing well enough and they're still in it. I think if they get to one and six, one and seven, it's just obvious. Maybe they switch to Jarrett Stidham, but I don't see it anytime soon. And quite frankly, I think they, by the way, they're 0 and 2. Their point differential, three points. They lost week one, 17 16, and they lost week two. I'm blanking on the score, but they lost by, they lost by two points. So they've lost by three points, one point in first game, two points in the second game. First game is against New Orleans, whose defense looks really good. Unfortunately, their offense isn't isn't the same place yet. So they won the first week 17-16, beating Denver. And they won week two with a great defensive effort playing against Carolina, though. So they're 2-0. But Russell Wilson, give him a couple more weeks. He doesn't seem he seems like he's lost a step, doesn't can't run as well. I'm not sure if he's the right fit for Sean Payton offense, but who knows? Who, who's next? Baker Mayfield. Everyone had him left for dead. I had him done. Done. Maybe like a backup. He was running for his life, looking like crap last year in Carolina. And even the Rams, the end of the year, they threw him out there. He's clearly, he's got moxie. And I, I've always thought he was a decent backup. But through two weeks, look, he's leading a team that's in my surprise category. We'll talk about down a little bit. 
But he's 11th in uh, scoring and quarterbacks for two weeks. Who would have predicted that? I know I didn't. And then Sam Howell, he's number nine. There was good buzz on him. And he's looked pretty good. Now they played a pretty weak schedule. They played Arizona. And it's not like they're playing world beaters. They're doing better than you expect. Sorry, they beat Denver, by the way, 35-33 at Denver. And then they beat Arizona 2016 at home the first week. So like they're there, but I'm not ready to anoint him top 10 fantasy quarterback. But I like what I see so far, and they've got talent. At running back, I think the strong, the strangest name here, number two overall, is Kyron Williams. This is a guy we got a little buzz on during the summer. In the spring, they said he may be a third down back. I've always liked him. I saw him in Notre Dame. It was very good at Notre Dame, for those of you who remember him. For some reason, when undrafted, maybe a medical on him, wasn't sure. But he had some buzz last summer in my kind of home dynasty league. I've had him the last two years. I had him on a contract last year. But I would never have guessed what's happened. He starts out sharing time in week one, but playing a lot more than Cam Akers. Scores two touchdowns. Is pretty instrumental in, in making some key third and one plays or short yardage plays, including punching in a really tough touchdown where he rode a, drove a guy back almost four and a half, five yards into the end zone. So it looked pretty good in week one, them, them upsetting Seattle in Seattle. And then week two, we get the report right before the game that Cam Akers is out. He's inactive and he's likely on the trade block. And then at the end of the game, and what we hear in the press conference on Monday is Cam Akers is just done. Sean McVay, I think, was pretty, pretty adamant about it. So... I don't know what to think. There's not a lot behind him. I think Zach Evans is an interesting player, a five-star recruit, kind of bounced around, was decent in, at Old Miss last year, but never been a, a key guy. And I think he was a, Matt Waldman loved him as a, a scout coming in, wasn't great in the in summer camp. So I guess it's Kyron Williams' job. I really don't know though. He seems to do everything okay. He's not, he's not a burner. He's not huge. He's not incredibly quick. But he's good. He does everything. Good offense there. They're better than I expected. They're one of my, I would say, surprise teams. I, I don't have on my list today, but Stafford looks good. He's just throwing the ball down the field. And obviously, no one can stop talking about Puka. So anyhow, call out Kyron Williams. CMC, by the way, is the number one back through two weeks. Not a shock. Bunch of random names, though. Number three, Brian Robinson of the Commanders. And number four is Ro Roheem Mostert. So lots of random names at the top. That's mostly because we're two weeks in and we've had a lot of difficult running back injury news. And then you've got Jonathan Taylor as a holdout and a bunch of just guys nicked up or just not putting up numbers you would expect. So outside of CMC, it's been the landmine at the top and you've got a lot of surprise guys like uh, Kyron Williams. And I wouldn't say Brian Robinson's surprise. Everyone knew he was going to be there, but he's more of a flex type of a play. Versus now he looks like he's a pretty consistent week in, week out starter. He's had touchdowns in both weeks as well. And Mostert's been been outstanding. Not getting as many touches. He doesn't dominate the backfield quite as much, but he's been scoring. So good stuff there. At wide receiver, top four guys are expected. They're long-term fantasy stalwarts for the most part. It's Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, Devonta Smith, and Justin Jefferson in that order. The fifth guy, though, as you can imagine, Puka Nakua. What a rookie, man. I, it is very interesting. Talked a lot about him in a previous show, so won't go deep, but reminds me a little bit of Anquan Bolden. And then number seven is fellow rookie Jordan Addison, who's really benefited from two big plays 
each week, big touchdowns. And we might, I, I also want to call, we've had a Nico Collins kind of breakout. He's been talked about the last two years and he's actually now looking like he may be there. He's, he's top 13 or 14, obviously big week two. I'll call it out. I, I expect we'll see Chris Olave, CeeDee Lamb, Stefan Diggs, uh, Jalen Waddell, assuming he can, can get back from his concussion, Jamar Chase, a little bit depend on on Burrow, and DK Metcalf. I think we'll see ascend. We'll see those guys ascend. If you look in the kind of details in the box score, they're getting the targets. They're in pretty stable or up-and-coming offenses. Maybe Olave and, again, Chase little bit less, but I think overall their talent is too good. And, and Lave had a wonderful touchdown on Monday. So I really like him to continue to ascend, but they're all too talented and they're going to explode. I think I also caught Tig Higgins had a nice week too. The one thing is if Burrow's out for several weeks, maybe pause a little bit on those guys. A tight end, Hawkinson and Hunter Henry are, are basically 100% higher than any other guys. They both scored in the 29-ish total points range, which isn't crazy the guys i'm talking about here in the 30 40 plus point range or way more if you're if you don't have one of those two guys which a lot of people weren't shutting hunter henry you're way down in kind of the 15 16 point range and hayden Hurst is actually the number three tight end right now at 16 total points this position is a bit abysmal so far this year but look it's all it's going to take is a big travis kelsey week three he missed week one but he's at 10.6 points approximately in this scoring system just from the one week, he could easily have a 25-point, two-touchdown, 100-yard week. So I would say the two guys that are a bit under the radar, I already mentioned one, but that I've liked because i watching the, the tape, looking at the details, and just knowing their talent, is Hunter Henry, former top pick. He appears to be Mac Jones' kind of security blanket, goes to him in a lot of crucial situations, and as long as Henry can stay healthy, he looks really good. Great hands. I think he likely is a top four fantasy tight end this year. And then the other is Evan Ingram. He's remained Trevor Lawrence's kind of slot, short yardage receiver. He had a lot of chemistry and a ton of targets the last seven, eight weeks last year. In fact, he was on a thousand yard, 80 catch pace, I think with 10 touchdowns in the final eight games, including the playoff last playoff game last year. He's been getting the targets. He's been getting catches. He just hasn't had any touchdowns. Jacksonville has been struggling to get the ball in the end zone. I think it's only a matter of time before he starts having some big weeks. Look, Henry and Ingram are never going to be Kelsey. They're not even going to be big Kittle week type player or Waller. But Henry and Ingram look like guys that are more ascending in offenses where they may be more primary or definitely in the top two targets with with decent quarterbacks, particularly in, in Ingram's case. Real quick, kicker. We don't talk much about this, but arguably the two best teams in NFL kickers are rookies, and both are playing well. They're perfect from the field versus Brandon Aubrey, I think is the number two overall kicker in scoring so far. He's from Dallas. He's seven for seven from the field, kicking field goals. And Dallas is going to score a ton of points this year. Keep that name. If you haven't already picked him up or he's available in your league, you might want to pick him up. And then a second is Jake Moody, who was one of the Niners' first draft picks this year. Took him really early. Had some struggles in preseason, but he's six for six so far. Um, I like them both to be solid fantasy starters as their continue as their teams will continue to score a lot. So just call those guys out. Let's talk a little bit about NFL teams. Look, the, at the end of the day, you want to have players on teams that are ascending and and continue to score and playoff contention, and you want to avoid those teams that are tanking and going the wrong direction. So it's early, two weeks in, you can't really read too much. But I thought I would just call out a couple teams that are doing well. And some that I think are struggling. 
Let me start with the negative first. So I want to end on a positive here. The negative, let's start off Cincinnati Bengals. We expected to have a minimum of five guys every week that were like no-brainer fantasy starters from this team. Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, and kicker McPherson. Right, Evan McPherson, we all loved him from the playoff run a couple of years ago. So far, though, if you went big on Bengals and you're starting two of them, you're probably staring at the same 0-2 hole that the real-life Bengals are in. And if Burrow misses more time or the injury lingers, this won't change much. Look, I think Burrow's too good. He's got good moxie. He can play hurt. We've seen him do that. So at some point, they're going to find their groove. They've just got too much talent. But they've struggled. 0-2 haven't looked good, particularly in offense. In fact, I would say their defense has been probably as advertised, maybe even slightly better than we expected. Their offense has been abysmal, really tough. They're just not putting drives together. To give you perspective, they've scored 27 points. They've given up 51 points. They have one of the worst differentials. They have a 24-point differential of any team. The only teams that are worse than them so far are the Bears, who are 0-2, the Giants, who are 1-1 one and one and got demolished by Dallas in that kind of monsoon, terrible week one game. The Raiders, who are 27, ironically, they're 1-1. One and one. And the Texans, who are 27, who are 0-2. So it's not good company there. But they could turn it around. I believe in the talent. And we're two weeks in. So can't say much more about that. But I do worry. I hope Burrow can get right. And I'd like to see those guys score. Next is the Jets. They're 1-1. One and one. Ultimately, this comes down to a single point of failure, which was their quarterback situation, Aaron Rodgers. If the Jets had, say, Gardner Minshew as their backup, we probably wouldn't be talking about this. They might still be one and one, but Minshew is a competent starting quarterback. Is he a top 15 guy? No, he's not. Is he maybe 15 to 20, 25? Maybe. I think in his career, he's he's thrown over 40 touchdown passes and, and about a dozen or so interceptions like 5,000 yards. He's been on some average to bad teams, particularly in those Jacksonville years, but he was still competent, leading them to wins, keeping them competitive. Obviously for fantasy, he's fun, throws the ball around, takes chances, but they have Zach Wilson. And I just don't know if he'll ever be an NFL starter. So with A-Rod out, it's really reducing Garrett Wilson's value immensely. You look at week two, Sands that one nice slant catch where he broke a tackle and took it to the house, 68 yards. We'd be talking about a one for 13 or a two for 25 outing. And then week one, he didn't have a ton of yards and he had that one really nice contested catch where he held the guy off, caught it basically one-handed on a mediocre kind of fade, or I think it was supposed to be a back shoulder throw by Wilson, but it wasn't back shoulder. It was into the, the defensive back. So that's rough. And then there's no other starting receiver on this team or no other receiver you can start in fantasy. And then the running backs, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, no doubt they have the best duo in the league. Dalvin Cook has gone four straight Pro Bowls, 1,300 plus scrimmage yards. I think he's averaged over 10 yards a carry. For a Minnesota team that had pretty mediocre offensive line, we're seeing that now that Alexander Madison has taken over there. And then Brees Hall looks awesome, very dynamic. These guys are not getting any space. I, I don't know. I'm worried about the Jets, and I'm worried about all the draft capital we put into the Jets. I think there'll be better t- days for this squad, particularly when they're not playing the Bills or the Cowboys or the Patriots, who they play this Sunday. Uh, so don't be looking for any reprieve this week because the Patriots' defense is good, and the Patriots are hungry to get a win as well. But the upside we'd all hope for in August, i just not going to be realized this season. So I would start tampering damping down your expectations for the jets if you haven't already done so 
Last negative, shocking team so far, Houston Texans. This call may not be fair. The Texans have been a dumpster fire for multiple seasons. And CJ Stroud, to be honest, has actually looked okay. Like for a rookie, he's played better. I think he's better than uh, Bryce Young. He's looked a little bit better. I think Anthony Richardson, you can see like dynamic, really strong running capability. And that's been really good for the Colts. It helped them get that big lead this past weekend uh, and ultimately win the game. And he played competent week one as well. But the Texans, going back to them, there was so much hype for Damian Pierce. There was so much hype for the Texans to take that next step. And through two weeks, the hype has been hyperbolic. And Pierce just looks ordinary. He's not, It's not even clear if he's the featured kind of no doubt bell cow back. There's two other guys getting a ton of touches, including Devin Singletary. They're almost equally sharing touches and plays. Maybe this changes in the weeks ahead, but I don't know. Call me dubious. I think the guy, Pierce in particular, guy never was the primary back in college at Florida. He's been injury prone this games every single year of his college and one year into his pro career. And he just looks like a rotational, rotation level talent. So I just, I don't know. I'm not a big believer. I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm just saying, I think Texans have been mediocre and shockingly bad again. Probably not a shock. And a lot of people listening to this are going to say, what are you thinking? Houston's been terrible for three straight years. True. I just think I was shocked at how bad they've been and particularly Pierce and how little offensive of just a struggle they've had so far. And to put that some emphasis on that, they scored 29 total points. They're averaging 14 and a half a game. They've had a pretty mediocre schedule. They have not played anyone. They've not played an elite defense. They play, I, sorry, I take that back. They played Baltimore first week. My bad. I was, I thought they played someone else, but they played the Colts in the second week. They managed nine points at Baltimore week one. They scored 20 at home versus the Colts this past week. Some of those were in garbage time after the Colts had built a really large lead and were really bulking it at the end. So I, I'm a little bit down on them and particularly Pierce. Looking at surprise teams. So what are the positive teams going on? I'm going to start in Florida for the first two, Tampa Bay. They're 2-0, and and they may be the best team in the NFC South. And by the way, the NFC South features three undefeated 2-0 teams, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Bucks. The only team, though, in that conference that has looked okay or decent, in my humble opinion, has been the Bucks. The Bucks have played two, we can call them average teams, they played at Minnesota in 12017 and they played versus Chicago and then won 2717. But they've been surprisingly solid, really able to move the ball. Their offense is better than we ever expected. Um, I thought it, I think everyone left them for dead, right? The entire fantasy world wrote them off. And maybe Baker's not as bad. I know he's a solid backup. I talked about him already, but maybe he's got a little bit more life in him. And maybe Tampa Bay is a middle of the road team. I'm not saying they're going to win that division. I think that division is actually pretty mediocre, but we'll see. Next team, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by this one, but they look like they could be the best team in the AFC, and that's the Miami Dolphins. We knew they'd be good, but keep in mind, they've won back-to-back road games. One in LA versus the Chargers. Again, that was at any team's game, but really impressive kind of stay in it and gritty win there. And then last weekend or Sunday night versus the Pats, they put up 60 points so far, and they're doing what they want. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They're really dynamic offense. Now, 
there's a caveat here. If Tua can stay healthy, they're good. Tua is impressive, very accurate, puts the ball where he needs to put it. He's got all the sort of like nuances that made him a top prospect. Connor actually made him a can't miss before his before his coming out year. Everyone assumed he'd be the number one overall pick. And he slid in the draft due to some injuries. So that's a legitimate concern, though. What is the Dolphins? Uh, the Dolphins right now look pretty special on offense, and their defense is better than last year. But Tua is, is you know, it's a single point of failure, like the the Jets, as we mentioned earlier. And that's probably true for a bunch of teams, right? Would the Chiefs be a Super Bowl contender without Patrick Mahomes? I think the only team we know that could can be competitive without their quarterback is probably the 49ers, maybe the Cowboys, but we saw it with the 49ers last year. They went through multiple quarterbacks and still won. So I think they're probably okay. And Cowboys actually won, I think, what, they go 4-1 and one without Dak or 5-0 and oh without Dak with Cooper Rush. So those teams have enough talent around them and a system in place to keep winning. Which brings me to my last team, and we'll call it a we'll call it a night on this pod, the Dallas Cowboys. They're absolutely dominating so far through two weeks. Now, it's possible they played two opponents at the perfect time. They played the New York Giants in week one in a monsoon in New York and had two defensive touchdowns and just offensively, they're pretty average but 140 to nothing because of all of the, the turnovers and just the sort of quality of the play. And then this past weekend, they played the Jets at home with Zach Wilson's first start, but their point differential was 60 through two games. That's insane. The next best is the 49ers at 30. Now the 49ers played on the road, both games, and they played and soundly beat the Steelers and the Rams who are both one and one. So they've clearly had a more difficult road. Right. The Giants have won one game in Arizona, barely did it. The Jets won the heroic effort against Buffalo, but it required Josh Allen to have, I think, four turnovers, right? Three picks and a fumble. So I I, I would have to say, I, if you're comparing those, maybe the Niners look a little bit better. But the, the Cowboys have been so impressive. Their point differential is impressive through two weeks. So we'll see. That week five matchup, though, 49ers versus Cowboys is shaping up to be one of the best early season Sunday night football games ever. Okay, on that note, I hope everyone has a great day. You're having a good season, enjoying football. Remember, this is just a game we do for fun, diversion from life. On that note, I hope you all have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uh, I said, Uptown.